You know, much much like the the world of uh, politics that we live in, uh, it's either Democrat or Republican. You know, that's it. Red or blue. Red or Walmart, blue. Walmart or Target. What's it going to be? Literally. Those are your options. Boy, kind of makes me think about uh, Election Day. Wait, what's today? <laughs> Hold on. Everyone check your watches. Oh, my God. It's Election Day here on the Songtopsy Report. <laughs> Great job, Mike. Where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise otherwise noteworthy music and figure out how it died. I'm uh, I'm your Yankee Doodle Dandy, Steve Trollinger. I am Nick Breedier, and you better be listening to this listeners in line to vote right now. And I'm Mike Russell. Just just cast my ballot. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm listening to myself in the future doing a thing in the future. It's like it's time travel. No, but yes, yeah, so we recently, not recently, but we used to have our shows come out on Mondays. And then we, uh, when we came back after our sabbatical in the spring, we started doing Tuesdays instead, just because it was easier. So I just, I realized about a week ago, this is the first episode that falls on an election day. Because the past, the last time we were, you know, the day before. So I thought, what better day? in the spirit of civic duty and possibly the end of the country to <laughs> talk about its storied past and to do so through the lens of music. It isn't a history podcast, though it's mostly a history podcast. Enjoy this podcast episode, listeners. It might be our last. It might be. our. You might never hear from us again. Uh, I might go insane. <laughs> go, come on, guys. No matter how chaotic it gets... Or as the world's burning down around us, I think, uh, you know, we'll we'll keep making fun of stuff, right? <laughs> Steve, it'll Assuming be... we're live. Steve, it'll be fine. I'm sure if Joe Biden wins, he won't be that bad. Ah, uh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> just the thought of it, guys. <laughs> so frustrating, right? Um, so I... I did not want to uh, take us take us down the historical rabbit hole... This time, I wanted us to do a music podcast because, hey, I'm, apparently we're a music podcast. Uh, I know last uh, our last episode, Nick uh, had several pointed jabs towards me and my uh, my ability to make this show not about songs. <laughs> but Steve, I'm very—you've you, kept Mike and I in the dark quite a bit on this week's episode, but I think it seems it seems on the surface, based on what I understand we're going to be talking about, that you've done a pretty good job of bridging the history and the music, especially on this pivotal election day. You got to vote for me, Steve, that's for sure. Vote for me for doing Yeah, right good in the work. Freedom <laughs> Party. Remember how that went? <laughs> the freedom- I only, uh, I, I did early voting, so I did, I asked the I asked the people there if it would negate my ballot if I wrote get fucked in the margins, and apparently it would. So I, I didn't write that. Uh, but, but gentlemen, your mentee has come to town with some really bad songs all about the president. It's time to wear some sad frowns. Uh, that is the only song we have prepared for this week's episode, listeners. So thank you so much for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Steve, is that the only... I saw you looked at your phone, Steve. Is that the only thing you have written down today? Yeah, I'm done, guys. God bless no, America. No, Steve, please let the listeners know what are we going to be discussing today. 
So today we're going to talk about presidential campaigns because, thank God, it's the end of one. Um, and we're going to specifically talk about campaign songs. Now, before the age of mass media, campaign songs were originally used as one of the methods with which a, a candidate could either inform voters about himself or disparage his opponent. Because if you think about how it used to be, you know, the country, it was not, you know, like at its founding, it was not well connected. News traveled slowly. And even as it grew and the railroads, et cetera, et cetera, it still became very important to get information out. And what better way to do that than through earworms? Yo, actually, yeah, you know what? That would have, I'm sad that we didn't see one of those in this election. I would have loved to see like a, some like real catchy hip hop beats about Biden or like a, or like a oh, nice you country. Want catchy, you want catchy hip hop beats about old white men? You're going to get it, Mike. Don't you worry. No, Mike, this election has pivotally changed. We don't, we no longer have like hip hop musicians making the music. They're running for office. That's why Kanye has my vote. My favorite, my favorite is always going to be, I remember in 2016, one, one event where Bernie Sanders was introduced and he came out, and I don't know who was in charge of the music at the venue, but they put on a DMX's Where the Hood At. Yes. And I remember <laughs> thinking, like, hmm, let me puzzle out how that fits. And I did. Come on, he was a Brooklyn boy! <laughs> but Steve, Brooklyn is not the hood, Mike. <laughs> so, Steve, the, uh... <laughs> Campaign songs, very effective yeah. back in the day. So to appeal to voters, the songs were often new uh, versions of popular or well-known pieces of music like Yankee Doodle, hence my little thing at the beginning, uh, or Hail to the Chief, and that, that would increase familiarity and sort of get, like I said, they're earworms. They get into your stuck in your head. As Nick already kind of discovered when he accidentally listened to one song already and is now haunted by it for the rest of his life. Um <laughs> In modern times, with the expanded ability to reach voters through radio, TV, and the internet, the use of original songs to convey candidates become less important. Uh, with the campaigns, for instance, of uh, first Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, the strategy shifted into using pre-existing songs that conveyed the spirit of the campaign or the message of the candidate. And today, we're going to go through a couple of, uh, from what I like to call vintage to modern sensibilities uh, of presidential campaign songs. Um, and we are going to start with the vintage. We're going to go in historical order, chronological order. Uh, now, the first few songs we're going to talk about are from an album called Presidential Campaign Songs, and that album was compiled and sung by famed Canadian-American folk singer Oscar Brand. It was one of 100 albums he released over his 70-year career, Holy which shit. spanned novelty songs and serious social commentary. So he was kind of all over the place. He could... If you work for 70 years, you get good at a lot of things, I guess. If he really wanted to hone it, though, he would have called it, Now That's What I Call Presidential Campaign Songs, Volume 5. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so for our first one here, uh, we're going to listen to a song called Little Know Ye Who's Coming, which is the campaign presidential campaign song for John Quincy Adams. And we're going to listen to it now. This one slaps. Little know ye who's coming, little know ye who's coming, little know ye who's coming, if John Quincy not be coming. Fires coming, swords are coming, pistols, guns, and knives are coming, famine's coming, famine's coming, if John Quincy not be coming. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Talk about getting that 
fear riled up in the people. Let's let's get yeah. let's see that fear dance, ladies and gentlemen. One of the <laughs> one of the things I want to stress for this episode is how little things change over the course of two hundred some odd years. The the playbooks by which our modern politicians uh, play is by no means original. They are basically just standing on the so- on the shoulders of other worse people. Um, it's a human pyramid of terrible shoulders. Exactly. Uh, so these this song was for the uh, presidential election of uh, 1828 uh, between. John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson. Now, this election was a rematch of the election of 1824, where they also ran against each other. In that election, Jackson had won a plurality of electoral college votes, but not the majority, and he also won the popular vote. But because neither candidate had a majority in the electoral college, the election was thrown to the House, which we might be talking about in a couple of weeks. I don't know. We'll see. Um where powerful statesman Henry Clay used his clout to push the votes in Adams' favor due to the fact that he just straight-up despised Jackson. Uh, Adams would then make Clay his secretary of state, which caused Jackson to declare that, quote, a corrupt bargain, end quote, had taken place. Was he uh, right? Was he right? It, history, history is silent on whether or not it was an actual plan concocted by the two men or if it was just like a you-scratch-my-back sort of in-the-moment kind of thing. Oh, man. Yo! Um, but... But there's a reason our current president, president tends to see a lot of himself in uh, Andrew Jackson. Uh, for instance, the campaign was the first since the original John Adams, John Quincy's father, uh, since the Adams-Jefferson campaign to include a dramatic increase in mudslinging. Adams supporters went after Jackson for his scandalous marriage to his wife because he had accidentally married her when she wasn't finished divorcing her previous husband. Hey! Uh, Listen, that is, I think that's a totally acceptable mistake. You know, you, you My, love is love. <laughs> love is love, Mike, baby. I don't think that's what hashtag love is love means. <laughs> what, Mike, do you think the Pride Parade is all about people who got hooked up with someone before their divorces finally kind of cleared up? Yeah, you know, it's the taboo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, hey, don't judge me. Don't you? <laughs> LGBTQRD, lesbian, gay, transgender, recently divorced. Mike, you're absolutely right. This, you know, you're absolutely right that that's, but that's you also applying a modern sensibility to a less than modern standard. Um, What is eternal, though, are the next couple of charges. Uh, So, in addition to his scandalous marriage, there's his massacres of Native American villages, uh, his execution of deserters, and his slave trading. Talk about so, Jackson those, now. Jackson, now, yes. yes. Those, that's all. That's all, Jackson. Ja- oh, so wait. Now, let's, when it came, you know what's funny about the whole uh, executing deserters? What's funny what's, about what's that? Funny? <laughs> what's funny? What's funny about that, Mike? No, no, because like, no, no. Uh, the knee-jerk <laughs> gut reaction is, oh, that's awful. You can't, you can't be doing that. You know, what are these people like? But then I think about Game of Thrones. And when Ned Stark a chops great off, model, a great <laughs> model for our modern military forces. And when Ned Stark chops off that dude's head right in the beginning, and you're looking at that dude like, "Yo, man, he was running away from some monsters. He was gonna die no matter what. He was doomed." It was. You felt bad, but no, you know, you didn't judge Ned Stark for chopping off his head too much, though. You just like, all right, okay, Mike. So you've defended uh, <laughs> recently divorced marriages and Andrew deserter execution <laughs> and deserter execution. The Native American massacres and the slave trading. Do you have any 
Do you have anything to say about those? <laughs> no. I, listen, no? that was that was bad. That was bad stuff, Steve. Okay. I, I know. I know right from wrong. Don't I worry. <laughs> so for, I know right now, from for wrong. His... I'm just saying there's a huge gray area of moral ambiguity. <laughs> Now, for his part, Jackson avoided making any policy claims and instead made the campaign about his personal qualities and about making Adams look privileged and out of touch. Again, there's a reason why a current president tends to favor himself as a modern-day Andrew Jackson. <laughs> well, I feel like this song kind of lends itself to that a little bit. There's way too many, like, double negatives. The song title is Little Know Ye Who's Coming, and then it's like, Who's Not Coming?, and then who's going to be there when the other person isn't coming? And if Quincy Adams wins, then those things won't be happening. That's correct. That was my takeaway from the sample that we Yeah, heard. you got it. Perfect. I don't know. I don't understand okay. why you're oh, causing okay, a problem. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess I'm voting for uh, Adams. Is that who it's for? This was this is because if Adams John... doesn't show up, then we get the fire and, yeah. you know, the war and then, we're all doomed. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's what I got from that. Yeah, this was an election in 1828. This these were the these were the things that we were talking about possibly happening during that election, and only that election and never again. Uh, <laughs> Jackson also wrote that a lavish government combined with contempt of their constituents could lead to despotism if not checked by the voice of the people, aka him. Uh, this would also be the first election held under new voting expansion laws, which allowed all white men to vote rather than just landowning white men, which helped Jackson tremendously because he held a reputation as a frontiersman and a man of the people. You know, isn't it so nice that we've come so far in this country where all I, white men can vote? <laughs> like, just a, like, it's just crazy to me, man. So that's what ha- that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened, Mike, when you expanded the franchise to not just landowning whites, but poor dumb whites as well. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about that? Yo, I got a question for you guys. Look, that's just what history says, Mike. I'm not <laughs> no. I'm not making a judgment call. Okay, okay. Um so that that was a little bit of uh of John Quincy Adams and his Love of telling people how terrible it's going to be under the Andrew Jackson presidency. I will say, beautifully sung by Oscar Brand. Yes, all these. He the, really, the next, he really got yeah. passionate in there. It was good. It was. Good. Yeah, these these four, these first four, are all sung by him. So next, we're going to move on to the election of 1840, versus which uh, involved the incumbent Democrat Martin Van Buren. Yes, and and his yes, <laughs> Nick's one of the Van Buren boys. Those sideburns. <laughs> um. <laughs> His, and his opponent, the uh, his opponent William Henry Harrison of the newly constituted Whig Party, uh, and I'm sure he'll have a long tenure as president. Oh uh, yeah, thank yes. Don't jump ahead, damn it! That damn it! I was going to say damn it, Mike, because I'm used to Mike doing that on our show. So William Henry Harrison became the first victorious president to actively campaign for office, and Harrison's campaign centered around the slogan, Tippecanoe and Tyler II, which refers to Harrison's military victory in the Battle of Tippecanoe and his running mate, John Tyler. I, rem- I, re- I, re- I remember that, that old phrase. Yeah, that's like the one thing people remember from middle school history classes. Um, Democrats tried to paint Harrison as too old to run because at this time he was actually the oldest candidate up to that point and hinted that he was senile. Again, nothing really changes, right? Um, as Boy, one newspaper, lo- they, they love attacking each other's mental stability, don't they? Yeah, well, that's well, that leads right into our song here. Uh, as one newspaper wrote, uh, quote, give him a barrel of hard cider and a pension of $2,000 a year, and he will sit the remainder of his days in his log cabin. 
That's about William Henry Harrison. Harrison's campaign took advantage of this and branded himself as the log cabin and hard cider candidate and made the campaign about a choice between a man of the people and another elitist, despite the fact that Harrison was actually born wealthy and Van Buren was the son of a tavern keeper. Hmm. Uh, but to combat this, to combat this very powerful uh, defense of himself, uh, Martin Van Buren's campaign took the old lullaby, Rockabye Baby, we all know Rockabye Baby, yeah, and uh, added some Which is a real demented song, if you really think about it. If we're throwing babies out of trees in this song. <laughs> Well, it's not going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Rock a pie, baby, daddy's a wig. When he comes home, heart cider he'll swig. When he has swag, he'll fall in a stew. And down will come Tyler and tip canoe. So basically, they called him a drunk. He I said he's an old say, drunk. That was the most savage diss track that I've ever heard that you could simultaneously croon to a baby. Ever since Gucci Gang, at least. I, I, well, yeah. I, I love sending shade to my to my young ones before they go to bed. You know, really give them sweet dreams. <laughs> Just rocking your little child together to, to bed and then saying right before he falls asleep, Hey, 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 fuck Harrison. And God would, a month after his inauguration. <laughs> yep. After he died from oh, pneumonia. Uh, giving a speech. Yeah. Giving a speech. He Mid was speech. a man of the people. He was a hard cider, log cabin guy. You know what? You know, man, if Trump had been there, I think he would have recovered real fast, right? That's what he tells me in his rallies. <laughs> Don't go to those, Mike. How many times do I have to tell you? He beat the COVID! <laughs> yeah, we all could if we had billion-dollar experimental research super virus cures. Where, where was Regeneron back in the 1800s? That's what I they, were, they were busy cooking up stem cells to use to help the pro-life president. By the way, I also did this episode so that I can talk all the political shit I want and it'd be perfectly fine. Damn it, I knew this fine. was a Trojan horse. <laughs> this is a Trojan, this is a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, let's hear a little bit more of this, just real quick. Rock a pie, baby, when you awake, you will discover tip is a fake. Far from the battle, war cry and drum, he sits in his cabin a drinking bad rum. Oh shit! Oh, oh shit! Fuck! He don't go to war and he drinks. <laughs> and Jerry, it, Jerry, his taste is shit. Not even drinking the good stuff. Not only is he a drunk, he's a he's bad at it. He's drinking well rum. Well rum. You gotta trust somebody in the office is drinking well rum, not the top shelf. That's Get why you, that's why you can trust Van Buren because we knew since we know he was the son of a tavern keeper, he knows the good rum. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, Nick, your common sense was not enough to save Van Buren's job as uh, the depression caused by the economic panic of 1837 sealed his fate and he lost the election to William Henry Harrison, who then died a month later uh, because he caught a cold because he stood outside for like eight hours while it was raining and cold. 
Um, and his <laughs> vice president, John Tyler, ended up not actually being a member of the same like same party and proceeded <laughs> to spend his whole term basically doing the opposite of what his party wanted. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Wait. What? No, we won't get into that. I just thought it was fun little fun little. That's color hilarious work. though that his VP is like, you know what? We don't really, we don't really see eye to eye on anything. Well, was but that? God damn it! Do I like I like drinking with you, buddy? Come on, come on up, and join what? me. Steve, was that back when election rules were whoever comes in second place becomes the vice president? Like if there's no, two candidates, that right? that actually got uh, taken care of with a constitutional amendment after. The election of 1800, I want to say, uh, which was the Adams-Jefferson election um, with the whole thing with like Aaron Byrne. Yes. He got just as much, that sort of. So that hasn't been the case. But also there wasn't a constitutional amendment for presidential succession yet either. So it did cause a slight constitutional crisis because they were trying to figure out, is he the vice president actually going to be the president now? We don't know. I think we need to bring that back. I think that, imagine, could you imagine, forget vice presidents, no, no. First place, second place, and you gotta hang out with the whoever, like the first, like president's gotta hang out with the second place guy. For I mean, four that's years, essentially that's essentially and, what ranked choice voting is. And they gotta talk every day. They gotta hang out every day and be like, "All right, well, I'm president, so like I gotta do this." But you're my number two, so let's. You are my number two, a guy. That would unify this damn country. Sure, it would. I think, and you'd have to. That's think, all we've been missing, guys. They gotta be on your golf team. All right, they're they're your number two. They're with you everywhere. They're, they're... All right, so you can we're be gonna my s- caddy. <laughs> we're gonna swing around. Golf will come in later, guys. Don't worry. Uh, we're gonna swing around to the election of 1888, and the Republican Benjamin Harrison, the grandson of William Henry Harrison, versus the incumbent president Democrat Grover Cleveland. Uh, this election is stupid boring, so I won't actually get it. There wasn't a whole lot. It was like about tariffs, mostly, so I'm not even going to get into that. Um, but uh, it, ca- it came down to the election swing states of New York. Guys, once upon a time, we used to be a swing state, if you can believe that. Really? Uh, swing states, New York and Indiana, swung the election in part due to a letter the Republicans released from the British ambassador to the U.S., who slightly endorsed Cleveland, which then caused the large Irish populations of Indiana and New York to revolt and vote for Harrison. <laughs> because it, was, it, would, it wouldn't be America if people didn't get pissed at other ethnic groups for something. <laughs> Uh, but the thing that I find most interesting about Benjamin Harrison is that even Benjamin Harrison didn't have a glowing endorsement of Benjamin Harrison. What? Oh, what's the matter with Harrison? He's all right. There can be no comparison. He's all right. Ben's a man who bravely went for his native land to shoot Whereas Grover Cleveland skulked behind the nearest substitute So what's the matter with Harrison? He's alright! You know what? So that, that is the sum total of Benjamin Harrison's view of Benjamin Harrison. <laughs> He's alright. He'll do. He'll do? You know what, though? He served. And I gotta say, I have a lot of respect. I think, I think, and I, and I feel like I say this all the time. But if you're going to become the commander in chief of this country, I think it's I think you you got to have served in the forces in some sort of way. How are you going to tell people to go out and risk their lives if you haven't done so yet yourself? Mike, I 
I disagree slightly in that I think it's I think that may have been the case historically, but I think now it's retail workers. I want a president who was a retail worker. That's oh, truly I want a, understanding America. I want a president who has suffered through the worst America has to offer, who has survived <laughs> the vilest of attacks on both dignity and intellect. You know, I, I worked at a Best Buy back in the day. Maybe I'll run for president. I got your vote? Is that... Mike, you Somebody. always have my vote. You're all right, I guess. <laughs> I, uh, that is You're funny. all oh, right. right. <laughs> Yo, you know. He'd probably get a lot of Republicans if he's all right. <laughs> no, no. Alt, that's alt right. Alt right, Mike. <laughs> what do you say about Harrison? Right. He's alt right. He doesn't like it when women speak. He's all right. Oh, you could you could make a nice parody with this one. Oh, that'll yeah, be popular. Was, Everyone yeah. remembers that classic Harrison, <laughs> classic singer. Benjamin Harrison campaign song. Woo, boy, howdy! <laughs> uh, so, for our last vintage campaign song, we're gonna go. We're gonna fast forward to the 1908 election between Republican William Howard Taft and Democrat William Jennings Bryan. Now, this is the first election after our, our, old, our old buddy Teddy Theodore Roosevelt uh, served his two terms. So this is like a, a first election where he wasn't on the ticket, two fresh faces. And by fresh faces, I, of course, mean like 65-year-old men. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Teddy Roosevelt declined running for a third term, which he immediately regretted. Like, he said he- it out loud when someone asked him the question and then like a day later was like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm stuck. I really want to run for a third term, but I can't now. Uh, um, it wouldn't have been right though. That would have set a crazy precedent for president. Yeah. You know? We should, we shouldn't have people named Roosevelt serving more than two terms in office. <laughs> Good thing that never happened later on. Good thing that never, ever happened. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, so, <laughs> But instead of running for the third term, he instead put forward his close friend and Secretary of War, William Howard Taft, thinking that his legacy would be secure in his hands. Now, most Americans, if they remember anything about William Howard Taft, it's that he's fat. He's yeah. the fattest president. Yeah. He's a fat. He's a fat. He, that's all. That's the only thing I know about him is he's a he, fat ass. Yeah. He was like he was like <laughs> three hundred twenty-five pounds. He was he was tall, so it wasn't like he wasn't like huge, but you know he was a big dude. How how can you elect a president who can't even like go jog a five k? You know what I mean? Like that's well, that happened in twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah, we all did it. Uh, hey, it's that, funny that president beat COVID, Nick. I don't know what to tell you. It's <laughs> funny you should bring that up, Mike, because much like our current president, uh, William Howard Taft didn't actually want to be president and didn't <laughs> like being president, and in fact, spent most of his presidency playing golf. Nothing. At least he was honest. He's like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Taft Taft was a jurist, you see. So he's a lawyer and a judge, and he had no interest in the presidency, but he had long coveted the job of Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. But he ran as a favor to his friend and political benefactor, Teddy Roosevelt. Once in office, however, Taft would side with the conservative wing of his party, alienating conservationists and antitrust advocates and ruining his friendship with T.R., who would then go on to run against him as uh, for pres- the president in the next election as a third-party candidate. Um, you know, it's, and- it's T.R.'s own fault. You, know, you, don't, you don't put someone into this position or the race to go there if they don't want to do it. 
They're just going to disappoint you. He tried to force something that should have never happened. Yeah, and he shouldn't have opened his big mouth and said he wasn't going to run for a third term. He really really, uh, really bullied the bullied the pulpit on that one. Um, bullied, now, though, the, bullied the pulpit? What? <laughs> what, what, what That's the you? kind of political humor we're working with here. <laughs> Jesus. So, Steve, I, I assume the song we're about to hear is that uh, Teddy Roosevelt banger, I Made a Terrible Mistake. Uh, no, we are going to listen to the William Howard Taft's campaign song for the 1908 election. Get on a raft with Taft. <laughs> the time has come, the fight is on. We pick the man to run for president. Ohio sent her noble, worthy son. The man we need, the man to lead our strong and mighty craft. Through storm at sea to victory, it's William Howard Taft. Ah, get on a raft with Taft, boys, get on the winning boat. The man worth one with a friendly smile will get the honest boat. Yeah. So a couple of things with this. Uh, one, let me let me show you how the pitch meeting went for this one. Ah, crap. Crap, what rhymes with Taft? We gotta find something to rhyme with Taft. Uh... Bath? No, it's not close enough. Uh, he can't craft. even fit in those. Yeah, can't fit in those. Craft. Uh, craft. Something like craft. Ta- a raft? Yeah. <laughs> Get on the raft with Taft. I'm not getting on a raft with him. He's fucking 300 pounds. <laughs> I want to make a... I want to see the music video to this song. Where, where they're going, you know, uh, white river ra- rapid... Right? White water rafting? White water rafting. Thank you, Nick. With Taft and his helmet. You know, he's slipping into that little... His his life jacket's a size too small. You push the raft out and it just immediately sinks to the bottom. (laughs) It better be a sturdy-ass raft, is what I'm saying, to get on it with Taft. Get on the raft. (laughs) Get on a raft with Taft. Um, oh, and man. and America loved it, and so they voted for him. Uh, they loved this song. They loved get. They all got on the raft with Taft. Get on the raft! Oh man, let's do it. That uh, that concludes our vintage uh, campaign songs. We're gonna say we're gonna bid adieu to such hilarious political wordsmanship, uh, and we are gonna move on to some real modern crap. And by modern, you mean past hundred years. Yeah, the past hundred years. Yeah, ex- essentially. Wait, guys, we don't have to apologize for fat shaming an old president, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't. We we can't survive all those Taft apologists coming out of the woodwork. Uh, I, oh, I did want to say a couple of things. Though he made no great historical impact, William Howard Taft did set a lot of presidential firsts. For instance, he was the first president to throw the first pitch at a ball game. Uh, he was the first president to own a car. He was the first to preside over the contiguous 48 states, the first, like the whole of the continental U.S. Uh, and he was the first to actually use the Oval Office. He was the first one to actually use that office. Wow. Uh, and he later on would fulfill his dream and become the first and only president to also serve as chief justice on the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. so his dreams came true. Good for a good old Taft. His big fat dreams came true. Steve! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that movie. It's my favorite. My big fat Supreme Court confirmation. Oh, man. Let's not talk about that. I don't even want to hear those words put together. 
so we're gonna we're gonna move into the the last hundred years or so, um, where we're gonna talk for a, just a quick second about the 1952 election between uh, Dwight Eisenhower and Adlai Stevenson. Uh, and what's interesting about this is that it's actually part of the f- this song we're about to listen to is part of the first and only successful political draft of the 20th century. Now, if you don't know what that is, a political draft is when like a bunch of grassroots uh, organizations get together for the express purpose of convincing a particular candidate to run for an office. Uh, and in this case, this is the only time it's happened with someone who then goes on to become the president. You know, it happens on like a lower level, a bunch. But this was the first time like a bunch of Democrats and Republicans got together when like we got to get Dwight Eisenhower, hero of World War II, to run for president. It just makes too much sense. And because he was still part of the military at the time, he actually had to be nonpartisan, so he did not have a party. He was not a Democrat or Republican until he left the army. Um, And so they were both, like, vying for his support. They're like, you should be a Democrat, you should be a Republican. So this song uh, was used in a political ad as part of that to try to get him on board. I for president, I for president, I for president, I for president. You like Ike, I like Ike, everybody likes Ike. For president, hang out the banner, beat the drum. We'll take Ike to Washington. We don't want John or Dean or Harry. Let's do that big job right. Let's get in step with the guy that's up. Get in step with Ike. You like Ike, I like Ike, everybody likes Ike for president. So I'm assuming these are the Republicans vying for yes. him. Yes. Yes. Based correct. on the elephant and donkey uh, imagery that we're seeing in this animated ad. Uh, this was animated by Walt Disney, by the way. Jesus, wow. Uh, Those and donkeys the, and, look like a bunch of nerds. That's and, <laughs> and the song... Bunch of the, betas. The, this, this commercial is animated by Walt Disney. The song was written by Irvin Berlin. Ir- Irving Berlin, sorry. Who we might know from... Who's, he's a great composer. Uh, look, I'm tired of trying to like educate you two. <laughs> it just won't work. It just I, won't work. I love this song, and I I, I know we have. You like uh, Ike? I, I like Ike. <laughs> Everybody likes Ike. I'm telling you, I know I know we uh, had listened to this a little bit before we started here, but I'm gonna say it again. Uh, when I ran for class president, I would have loved to throw a little M on front of this Ike here and have made this my campaign song. Mm, Ike for president. Mm, Ike for president. Mm, Ike for Mike president. For, Mike for president. You like Mike. <laughs> I like Mike. Steve kind of tolerates Mike. <laughs> oh, I love it. Ah, now I just have to run for actual president. For real, for real. So this is what's yeah, going to happen. But you, you are you are going to move, so maybe you could Mike for resident. Mike for resident. Yes, Mike, Mike just switched for resident. Mike for resident. Mike for resident so they don't throw you out. <laughs> I get so I add an M to the Ike and I take the P out of president and then boom. Sorry, I, I just like Ike, even even if he wasn't that great at like certain things, like protecting African Americans. But other than that, uh, I'm, uh, other than that, I like Ike. <laughs> so now that I've gotten that stuck in Nick's head until he dies, we can move like, on. God damn it! To uh, oh, I'm sorry, Steve. It. Steve, could you say the name of this song? <laughs> this is the. Republican campaign song for the Richard Nixon, uh, John F. Kennedy uh, uh, campaign, uh, the election of 1960. Specifically, this is Richard Nixon's campaign song, Click with Dick. 
Yo, when you typed in click <laughs> click with dick, did you get a lot of uh, oh, yeah, interesting Steve, videos? Steve got the up? whole Steve got the whole idea to do this episode based on one Google search where he's like, Oh, it's this is a campaign song too. Okay, let's see what we can do with this. <laughs> Strike that, reverse it. <laughs> I'll say, uh, it would really it would really free up I think I could like really uh, work my computer real fast if I could use both hands on the keyboard and operate my mouse with my member, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say with Richard Nixon, Mike, because that's what this song is referring to. Please tell me Richard Nixon sings it too, Steve. Please, please, no, please. No, he does not sing. Uh, he doesn't and sing? No. And, and Nixon wouldn't help you, Mike. He doesn't help the people. Um, so a little bit of background. What a because dick. This d- Yes, exactly. A little bit of background because this, this has like a whole circle element to it. Now, uh, so Nixon and Kennedy, 1960, sort of like a watershed, like a lot of people point to it as like the modern presidential campaign. First campaign to have a presidential debate. First uh, time that's even televised. Um, A whole bunch of, you know, like things we recognize as modern campaigning today. Um, And despite a wealth of experience and a near consistent poll average, Nixon was out-campaigned by Kennedy at nearly every turn. Kennedy utilized—he was super good at campaigning, guys. Kennedy utilized a combination of youth appeal, concrete policy ideas, celebrity endorsements, superior utilization of TV, targeting of swing states, and the selection of Lyndon Johnson, who helped, as his running mate, who helped him hold down all the southern states that were kind of like wishy-washy on him because he was a northern liberal. Uh, And And Catholic. And Catholic, that too. And because of all of that, like Nixon made a lot of mistakes too. Like Nixon had a 50-state initiative where he tried to campaign in all 50 states, which led to him like breaking his leg. And then after he got out of the hospital, he had that first debate where he looked terrible and everyone watched him and was like, ugh, because he, Richard Nixon doesn't look great. If I recall, he specifically refused to wear makeup on TV. Yeah. He, he refused to wear makeup. The camera uh, made the sets d- darker after the paint finished drying, so his suit clashed with every. Like, he just looked sickly and tired. And, and a lot of people watched it and were like, well, I'm going to vote for the guy that doesn't look like he's about to die. Uh, and they did. However, despite all of that, it was still an extremely close race. Like, Kennedy does not win by a wide margin. Um, but very indicative of the two candidates and oh, their. Oh, nice one, Steve. <laughs> Thank, thank you. Indicative? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, I meant to do that. I totally meant to do that. Uh, completely indicative of their opposing strategies at campaigning are their two campaign songs. This one, uh, Richard Nixon's, as we stated, Click with Dick. Come on and click with Dick. time he has the say. He's a man of peace and reason for the job in every season. But he knows how to fight when he is sure he's right. So let's all click with Dick. Come on and click ah. with Dick, the man that none can lick. He's one dick that can't be licked. That's the main He's point of the song. He's one dick that can't be licked. It's so much worse than you guys thought it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were not really paying much attention to what they were doing. I'm, re- I'm just reminded of that Batman 
uh, comic that must have come out around the same time. I think it was in the 60s where the Joker keeps referring to the phrase boner, meaning like... The, like, the Joker's boner? Yes. I'll show them a boner. I'll give them a boner. They'll never forget. Yes, just one of those instances <laughs> where the terminology has now changed in modern times doesn't quite match. Like where the Joker says, laugh at my boner, will they? <laughs> <laughs> just just like ricking dick. Yeah. Oh just, shoot. That's Oh, uh, what funny. rhymes with dick? What rhymes with dick? No, not that. What rhymes with dick and we can sell in public? Public. Lick. Lick rhymes with lick, dick. Lick, Damn lick. it, Johnson, you idiot. <laughs> Johnson. Dude, wait. So I want to know. Did the presidents come out and then people were like, "You know what? I'm going to name my penis after the president because it gets things done." Like what's like what when when did Dick become the when my when, Dick has the say it gets things done in a major way. Um, oh. Now so that was that was Richard Nixon's. I want to uh, put Dick in your Oval Office. Okay, we can go on. That's fine. I'm surprised they didn't go pick with up that, lines from honest. the '60s. <laughs> they worked back then. They probably shouldn't work now. Uh, so as a sort of corollary to that, uh, we have John F. Kennedy, who goes to one Frank Sinatra, uh, who at the time was a big Kennedy booster, and the uh, Frank Sinatra said, "Hey, can I, can I, uh, I want to write you a, uh, write you a campaign song, uh, you know?" And, and this is this is kind of like the first instance of both the modern sensibility of. You use a popular pre-existing song that sort of gets to the heart of what your campaign is about, but it also kind of melds it with the older style of coming up with new lyrics for it, uh, in which Frank Sinatra rewrote the song High Hopes in Kennedy's favor. Everyone is voting for Jack Cause he's got what all the rest lack Everyone wants to back Jack know the name of the guy that um richard nixon got to sing his jingle uh i don't i think his name is lost to time um or on purpose i think that but speaks let's... to the problem as to why nixon did not uh, win. words uh, words by olivia hoffman so it was written by a woman okay music by george stork and clarence Furman. ah uh, yeah so you have either click with dick <laughs> the one no one can lick, or you have, or you listen to Frank Sinatra. It's yeah. it's it's really just the two songs could not be a, a more starker example, a, a starker example of why he lost and why he won. You truly yeah, hear the seriously. generational difference between the two songs as well. And it was probably the last time that Frank Sinatra voted for a Democrat. <laughs> you know, they uh, this oh, this was genius. This was pro- why why are celebrities not doing this today? 
I'm sick of seeing these Instagram videos that are either real sad celebrities telling me to go vote. You know what I mean? Like, the, or, you know, all these Insta influencers. It's like, use your talents. Send a song about it. Let's, I mean, a lot of play the, play in the arms some... of the angels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's, you got to use your talents for good. Don't, you know, sometimes talking into a camera isn't some of their strong suits. That's all I'm saying. Like... Nick, Wait, you were gonna say something. I just say I a lot Frank. of a lot of musicians obviously still endorse candidates, but like coming up with original jingles happens much less often now. And as I explained, that is just because of that shift in how mass media works. Mm. You don't need to write an original song. In fact, it could be detrimental because you write things like "Click with Dick." Uh, <laughs> it's better to use a pre-existing song that everyone knows and that hopefully speaks to your campaign. Uh, now, th- before we get like into... Macho Man at the Trump rallies? I think that really gets the people moving. <laughs> Macho Man or Meatloaf? No, YMCA song. Or uh, Village People, right? Macho... They a lot of Village People, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll get to him at the end. <laughs> we're going to have a whole section on him at the end. Uh, for right now, we're going to just do... We're going to take a little bit of a detour, and we're going to talk about Ron Paul. Uh, Ron Paul. Whenever you say we're going to talk about talk about Ron Paul, it's always a detour. Nobody goes into a conversation wanting to talk about Ron Paul. No, Ron Paul in the um, sort of like the mid two thousands uh, really sort of fulfilled that he kind of had a Bernie Sanders vibe. He was like the right the right right wing Bernie Sanders in the sense that you know he had a lot of things that flouted Republican orthodoxy, but seemed like common sense to everyone else. Like, hey, don't go to war all the time and spend all of our fucking money, which everyone can get behind, right? Like, that's not that's not a crazy thing to ask for. Um, and who promised, like, a revolution and that sort of thing. So what Bernie Sanders does for the left, Ron Paul did for the right. And also, just in terms of being purely a better candidate than his stupid son, who sucks. Um, Senator Rand Paul, you know who you are. Yeah. I can't get sued. Fuck you. Oh, hey Steve, he's a long time Steve. he's a long time listener. Be gentle. I'm glad your neighbor punched you in the face. Oh, wow. Oh, um, I'm keeping this God. all in the podcast. <laughs> Jesus uh, but his his father, Ron, also a crazy asshole, but less of a dick crazy asshole. And because of his sort of revolutionary ideas, he sort of much like Bernie he kind of attracts a certain type of artist. So we've got a couple of songs here about the uh, from a few times that Ron Paul ran for president. The first we have is uh, the Ron Paul anthem, President Paul by Deadbeats, Inc. Paul, I'd like to thank Dr. Paul for curing my disease. Apathy nearly debilitated me. YouTube free speech. Listen when he speaks the truth. The clear choice of the troops. Oops, I know you'll never hear that on the news, but the scoop is this dude's emboldened the Got the chairman of the Fed scared, shaking in his boots. Now that the national debt's about to cave in the roof, so sound money don't sound funny no more. Think about how much we save with no war. Think about the loss of treasure and blood from the war on terror to the war on drugs. There is a war. Ooh, damn! Spitting straight facts. Well, debatably facts. <laughs> yeah. Also, I can't. I really don't think. I don't care how much the youth vote is up. In Ron Paul's estimation, I don't think anybody under the age of 64 cares about the chairman of the Fed I was enough also, to... I was also going to say, this song is eight years old, 
as of based on the timestamp I'm seeing on this video, the song is eight years old. It's not that old in the grand scheme of things. And I don't know any. I don't know the last time Ron Paul has ever been brought up in conversation. No, like no, truly after the 2012 election, he disappeared. Yeah, but he did in that brief moment. He did inspire a lot of sort of youth turnout and a lot of people of varying musical genres as well. So we heard a little bit of little hip hop about an old white man here. Uh, and uh, so Ron Paul inspired a lot of different types of music, like uh, this one, also called The Ron Paul Revolution by Sycophant Rocks. Yeah, shredded! <laughs> Okay, it just goes on like well, that. Well, we need to we need to let the listeners know what we are watching is like just a bunch of what can only be described as dads in dad it's jeans the same guy. That that was all, okay. okay. Points because that's drum guitar and vocals. Um, but just no, this is in worse the, than dads, man. This is like in I, the desert with a bunch of just tripod set up shots of him playing all of his instruments. He sees playing guitar next to a goddamn cactus right now. <laughs> oh man, no. And you know what sucks? Like he he can shred. He can he can play the drums. Like he's talented, but. He needs a better music video. He needed a wardrobe. He needs a better haircut. I don't know, man. Like, it's just... It's the revolution, Mike. It's yeah, not his fault yeah, you can't no get down vote, with the dad. No one's voting for the guy who's... The revolution. The dad-volution. The revolution will not be televised or competently filmed. Much like most <laughs> hard rock metal songs. Is this what I look like in jeans? Yes, Mike, 100%. Oh, my God. Yeah, every listener, can anyone tell me? Every listener, check out this video. Uh, Psychophant Rocks, Ron Paul Revolution. It's gotten 5,500 views in the past 12 years. Let's bring that up. Let's get him some. Let's get him a push that we could never achieve. Yo, let's do that for others. Let's do that. Let's. Uh, now it's time for my my last favorite also ran oh, before we Jesus. get into the last one. This song is called... Uh, okay, sorry. You know what's the song called? The Nick? song we're is about to listen to called is called "Hoot for Newt." Hoot for Newt. Jesus. Christ. And in some Christ. places, it's actually "Hoot the Number Four Newt." Ah, uh, that's that that that's that's to get the kids in on it. Oh, yeah. This, so this we're gonna listen guy. to the first uh, like minute of it because the video I found doesn't like is kind of garbled because it's mixed in with a bunch of live events. But here's a little bit of "Hoot for Newt." Hoot, hoot. Hey, And can we please clarify, this is Newt Gingrich we're talking about. This isn't some cute yes. animal for, like, no. the best, cutest creature in the zoo. That's not who people are voting for. It's Newt Gingrich. No, this is gross-ass break. Gross-ass spent the 90s breaking the House of Representatives, f- quad-divorced Newt Gingrich. Hoot, hoot! <laughs> it, during, his tw- during his 2012 campaign, uh, which he eventually got defeated by Mitt Romney, who is 
less objectively awful. <laughs> Which is the last time Republicans voted for someone who was less objectively awful? <laughs> who, um, who, dude? How did? How much do you think he had to pay for the for that rap song? I'm pretty sure it's whoever. I, I don't know whoever wrote it. I'm pretty who's, sure they were, ever wrote it? they were some. They were some like political donators, eighteen year old nascent hip hop artist kid who are like, ah, fine, I'll do it. I guess for money. <laughs> oh no, you don't think that was that kid? Like, this is my big break. Hoot for noot. Yeah. Hoot for Newt. Watch out, know. Billboard let's, Hot 100. I don't know. Let's ta- let's see what the lyrics say. I don't think so. Where you at? Yeah. I'm about to step out the White House. Gingrich gonna get in the White House. No. He gonna have his wife. Wait, which one? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can't actually. I don't remember the chronology of his wives, so I'm not entirely sure. Also, I, did it he might rhyme? be the one. Oh, sorry. It might ahead. be the mistress he had while his other wife was going through chemotherapy. Um, I'm not sure. It might have been that one. But also, did this guy rhyme like out of office with out of office? Oh, he sure did. Gonna get Obama out of office, put Newt Gingrich in the office. Yes. <laughs> or in the White House, sorry. In oh, the yes. white in the White House. I didn't even get to my favorite lyric yet. Hold on. It's a parade. Yeah, we got pro life full of in this thing. Uh, and you know we doing We got pro life. We got li- pro life all up in this thing, guys. All up in this thing. <laughs> oh my I, this, God. So the last video, it looks like Steve has for us. I do know. I am aware yes. of, of of this group. We've now come to the present. We more or less to the present to 2016. The last year, a lot of us felt good about ourselves, <laughs> and so I don't know if you guys know this, but our current president, Donald Trump, has a propensity for just using people's music without their permission. Oh yeah, the rallies. amount of cease and desist he's gotten just like in the past three months is wild. There, uh, I think recently he even started using Lincoln Parks uh, in the end, which shows goes you to show how he's feeling. Uh, but uh, there's there's quite a history of people being mad at him because he sucks and is using people's music who are good at their jobs without their permission. Uh, just a short list of people who have hit him with such uh, such cease and desist orders. Uh, we got Neil Young. Uh, R.E.M., Twisted Sister, Adele, Elton John, The Rolling Stones, Queen, George Harrison's estate, Pavarotti's estate, Steven Tyler, Prince's estate, Pharrell Williams, Rihanna, Guns N' Roses, Ozzy, Tom Petty's estate, uh, Leonard Cohen, (laughs) uh, Phil Collins, John Fogarty, and Creed's Clearwater Revival, that's just a small list of what does people that say who've... when literally every good musician does not want you to play their music? Now, now hold on there, Nick, because there is a certain Sontopsy alumni who oh. not only allows his music to be played, but has been seen performing live. Oh at yes, the who goes all out and certainly certainly doesn't rhyme with Schmed Schmugent. Oh yeah, <laughs> good old Ted. Good old Ted Nugent. Yeah. <laughs> but fortunately for all of you listeners, that's not what we're about to play. 
<laughs> yeah. So it, in modern in modern times, as I mentioned before, candidates have now started to use pre-existing popular songs that really get to the heart of their campaign's message. For instance, Ross Perot used the Patsy Cline cover of Willie Nelson's "Crazy" to play on the public's perception of him as an insane person, which he was. Um, <laughs> for his 1992 campaign, Bill Clinton famously used the Fleetwood Mac song "Don't Stop." Uh, you know, like "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow." You know, that was what he wanted. To impart, that was the feeling he wanted people to get for his campaign. Here's a fun thing for Nick that I didn't realize during his 96 re-election campaign, his new campaign song was This Is The Moment from Jekyll and Hyde, the musical. Uh, I know. And in uh, 2004, John Kerry famously used Creedence Clearwater Revival's Fortunate Son as a dig against his draft-dodging opponent, George W. Bush, uh, which could also be used on our current draft-dodging president. Um, and uh, Trump has some difficulty finding someone who will speak to the heart of what his campaign's about. In fact, people who can do that don't legally want him to touch their music. That is until a rosy-cheeked group of young gals known as USA Freedom Kids came along in 2016 and offered their song... The, which is called Freedom's Call, uh, to the Trump campaign and performed it live at their rally in Pensacola, Florida. And let's listen to a little bit of it. Must we? Oh, we must. Cowardice. Are you serious? Apologies for freedom. I can't handle this. When freedom brings Andrew the call. On your feet, stand up tall. Freedom's on our shoulders. You More songs. We're going to spend a little time on this. More songs need to have their very first word heard be cowardice. Cowardice. So, uh, sort of how most campaign songs in the old days used to use pre existing songs, sort of uh, in, with new lyrics. This uses the song Over There, which was the World War I sort of American fight anthem. Over there, over there. Yeah. That's what they used for this. Yeah. Except in this case, it's a bunch of rosy cheeked young. Go getters! You got uh, it. Brings a tear to your eye to see today's youth loving freedom. Let me tell you guys. Oh. Yeah, the uh, the line there. Apologies for freedom is uh, Trump's go, one of Trump was one of Trump's go to attack line on Obama's uh, quote unquote apologies for how you know we did a bunch of fucked up shit and how America should never apologize because we're the greatest country on earth and we never did anything wrong. How dare you apologize for us? And these little kids are outraged. Just outraged. <laughs> but truly, uh, I feel bad about this group because certainly these little girls obviously have the, under- the political understanding and concept of what Obama did when they were four years old. Uh, well, it's the the group is made up of Alexis, who at the time of 2016 was eight, Bianca 11, Izzy 11, Sarah 13, and Victoria 12. So the and oldest they, was they, five years old. Yeah. And they all hail, of course, from the great state of Florida, specifically Naples, Florida, which <sighs> I'm not going to say what I want to say because you see, I, you're going to say like going there. the most famous Naples of all. I know. Yeah, I do like going to Naples. I may not like certain things that come out of Naples, but um, 
So obviously this song's widely panned as propaganda when it came out, but not just propaganda, North Korean style propaganda, like poorly written, like in your face levels of propaganda. Like this. Freedom, face the music, come on boys, take them down. President Donald Trump knows how to make America great. Deal from strength or get crushed every time. So the little girls, they are borrowed from the art of the deal. Uh, the deal from strength or get crushed every time, which is pretty much all that book is, in case you ever wanted to read it. Wait, the what? The, the his book, the yeah, art his of the book, deal. The art of the deal. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the whole. That's what the whole book is. Just all, you, you can only argue, you can only negotiate from a position of strength, which you know is like the easiest way to argue and negotiate. <laughs> the trouble and the expertise is required when you don't argue from that standpoint. You, you just always have to feel like you're in a position of power, isn't that? Yep, that's what he does. <laughs> just, you're absolutely right, Mike. I do see what you mean, Steve. There is that certain, like, not honky-tonk, but just this weird childishness to the music that does remind me of those North Korean propaganda anthems. Yeah, it, it's not it's not an untoward comparison. Um, right down to making up words, which we'll see here in a second. I would just like to mention real quick, like, let's just, this is just copy and paste. This song's copy and paste. Every national anthem or patriotic <laughs> song has just been copy and pasted and put into a pages document. <laughs> now, now, Steve and Nick, would you tell me, are you guys telling me that you don't agree that we should spread freedom throughout the world? Is that not what the great American dream is? is to- <laughs> what I'm saying is we're not that good at it. We should be better about it here first, and then we can tell. <laughs> and we need to come up with a do. much better definition of what freedom is. Like, I'd like to be free to not be afraid of dying when I go outside. Because, Mike, couldn't you argue that uh, the truest are you, freedom are you is the to go outside? <laughs> as we all should be? It's a it's a dystopian present. USA. That's right, Mike. Ameritude. You guys need an Ameritude adjustment. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to the Ameritude adjustment chambers. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Ameritude oh. papers, please. Ameritude papers, please. <laughs> no. No, Ameritude, no. USA, American Pride, USA. The, the USA is used like 15 times in this. It's not even, God, just, I prefer propaganda to be insidious, you know? I, That's just me. I'm dying to understand. I want to know, like, the specific definition of what they think Ameritude means. The first thing that comes to my head is when you go to, like, another country and refuse to learn the any words in that language spoken there, I feel like that's Ameritude. 
Maybe for a poll, we'll say, we'll ask people what their <laughs> definition of a merit to. Yeah, is. stick a pin in this. Everything that pops in my head is so flag, offensive to say. Stick That's a U.S. Great. flag pin in there. No, Mike, say it. <laughs> Mike, this is America. You have the freedom. I'm doing <laughs> huge air quotes here for the listeners. You have the freedom to say whatever you want. Oh, listen, the Libs stole the freedom of speech when they started cancel culture, Nick. Come on. That's <laughs> the phrase cancel culture makes me also use a phrase I hate, which is triggered. So, like, it's a like a weird meta trigger. Like, I'm using a phrase I don't like to also talk about a different phrase I don't like. It's because almost, that's well, those are the tools I have. It's almost like people think freedom of speech means you don't have to have any consequences for what you say. Nobody's stopping you from saying anything. It's just people don't have to like it if they don't like it. I so wait for you to say it before I... Before I punch you in the face. See, I prefer punches to the face. Can we go back to just hitting, beating the hell out of each other? You know what I mean? Like, uh, that, give it time, Mike. We might be. This comes out Tuesday. Let's see what Wednesday looks yes, like. Yes, let's see how we're solving our problems after after this episode comes out. Oh, God. Jeez. So, guys, believe it or not, this didn't end up being, even though it played at a campaign rally, it didn't end up being, even this never ended up being President Trump's uh, 2016 campaign song. And... If you could take a wild guess at why that is, it is because the campaign took them out on the trail, at least until the group's manager and father to one of the girls, which is not surprising, um, Jeff Popick, threatened to sue the Trump campaign for, yep, breach of contract. (laughs) Get out of here! Following the campaign, not allowing, not following through on a contract to allow the kids to sell their CDs at rallies, and then the campaign ditched them after a rally in Des Moines. Like they abandoned they, they, the kids. The kids, the kid, the the band drove out to Des Moines uh, and performed, and then the campaign just left them there. Didn't offer them a way back. <laughs> so, oh my! In God. what is the least surprising turn of events? I can honestly say the reason why this didn't become the campaign song is because he couldn't even stop himself from screwing over a bunch of little girls. Oh, oh boy, what, contracts what? really isn't as strong as strong suit, is it? The man's word is his mud. What At he, least mud has consistency. What did he think? Did he think like if he was name dropped in one of their songs, that meant he could just use it whenever? I don't think he thought anything about it. I think he just he just, he's a shark, and not in like the weird predatory hunter way. I'm sure he'd like to think of himself. He's a shark in that he just swims and eats. He doesn't know anything else. So Steve, and if he stops, he dies. Steve, I, I, Steve, I have to ask: Are do the USA Freedom Kids? Did they have any post Trump career? Are they still doing music? They are still doing music. In fact, they con- I haven't played it here. I think it might be our separate episode, but they have concocted a sequel to our national anthem. I'm so glad someone finally addressed that, that America's national anthem truly needed a mm-hmm. sequel. Uh, our but- national anthem just didn't have quite enough ameritude in it, and I really think that the no. USA Freedom Kids can step that up. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be, its own, it. it'll be its own episode one day. Um, and finally, as Jeff Popick would later say, quote, what I thought I knew of Trump is in question, he said. <laughs> he has forsaken the USA Freedom Kids who have brought magic on him. <laughs> Beautifully written. Brought- so, it, oh. yes, at, at, to no one's surprise who's paying attention, 
He couldn't even use the one song he was offered because he was too busy being a dick. Ah, uh, that's something nobody can click with. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yep, no one, can, no one should click with that, Dick. <laughs> and that's the end of my journey through presidential campaigns. Bravo, Steve. This is the most individual songs we've ever covered in an episode, so kudos. Your mentee has come to town with some really bad songs all about the president. This episode is mad long. Ah, <laughs> uh, woo! Well, Steve, this was, a, this was a great final episode before democracy caved in on itself. Thank you yes, so yes, much. Yes, yes, good. Pat myself on the back. Seriously, though, in, in all honesty, if any of you are in America and have been listening to this throughout your, the duration of the time you've been waiting in line to uh, vote, please, please vote. If it is not too late, if you are not listening to this episode in the dystopian 2023 yeah, no matter who you vote for, because it's important to get no, every no, citizen's no. vote. So no, we Steve, know- Steve <laughs> I, I have to say, you can't have a functioning representative democracy unless as many people are voting as possible. Look, what I've always said was the most perfect form of government is where I'm in charge <laughs> and in control of everyone's minds and actions. That's the most perfect form of government as far as I can see. A Steve Tatorship? Yeah, that's a trollocracy. A trollocracy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's something we could all vote for. What a what a bipartisan way to end the episode, Mike. Thank you. Uh, but see, once again, and remember, America. I'm sorry. Remember, as final little note, remember, America. We've always been this way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the most chilling thing you could have said, Steve. Uh, second only to the fact that you can also follow us on social media if you have not done so already. Uh, especially, follow, check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Mike, I think we should put that... Oh, sh- shit, I've already forgotten. What is the poll question we said? For this? For what this is week? Your, or what last is your What definition, is your definition, definition of, of ameritude? Yes. Oh, I, I like that. I don't want to step yeah. on you, Mike, but I think that should definitely be the poll question. Listen, Nick, if that's what you want... Oh, I still have to post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you got <laughs> it, man. Well, last, last of you... I, You know, and I almost feel like you stepped on my poll because you knew I was going to ask everyone who they were voting for. We could get a nice percentage of uh, where our viewers stand on... On the because <laughs> uh, you know America's been too united as of late, Mike. We let's yeah. find ways to divide it just ever so slightly more. Let's turn listeners against each other. Republicans, Democrats, open mouth chewers, closed mouth chewers. Uh, and Mike, actually, you know where can we find you and your stuff? Uh, you can find me on my Instagram at mrmikerussell.com. That's mrmr.dot. And uh, yeah, like Nick said, you know, check out everything. Check out everything. Out. Check out everything. <laughs> everything in the send world them. there is to see. <laughs> and send us some song suggestions uh, that are bizarre, noteworthy, or terrible. And uh, yeah. And like the poll is, tell us what Ameritude means to you. But please prioritize going to a different poll first. Uh, and Steve, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, On Instagram and Twitter, the most perfect form of representative democracy, uh, as uh, your man Trollo, and on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com, where I control the airwaves, and uh, on all Dapper Devil-related productions-related business. Wonderful. Um, Well, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, For anyone who listens to this after November 3rd, uh, I hope this will at least be a fun time capsule of where we all were. Aloha. 
Uh, what were you listening to when the world changed? That's... <laughs> It's actually valid. It's actually valid. <laughs> no matter who wins this election, the world will be impacted. What a what a heavy thought that we're going to postpone until next week when we will have a new episode for you. So until then, I am Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. And screw Freedom's Call. I've been drinking a lot of tea, so I'm going to answer Nature's Call. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>